Welcome to The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ron Swallow. I'm Ed Greer. And I am producer Bill. Today, we're talking about two characters that are basically the flagships of their respective companies. And we are going to try to get down to who is the greatest, Spider-Man or Batman? And before we even get started, I got to say, this might be the most impartial jury that I've ever seen. Because both, I think all three of us have, an, have, from what I've seen, an equal love of each character. So we're really going to drill down on is what makes each of these characters great. And in the aggregate, who is greater, given our criteria for what greatness is. So with that primer, let's go. Bill, what do you think about these respective characters? And then we'll toss it to Ron. Well, I was excited to have this conversation because to me, this isn't just Spider-Man versus Batman. This is legitimately who is the greatest superhero ever created. And you know me, I'm a Superman stan all day long, but I can be objective enough to say that in the pantheon of superheroes from 1938 until now, I think both Batman and Spider-Man stand above the rest. And I think we're going to get into why, but for me... This is, you know, this is the Scorsese versus Spielberg debate as applied to superheroes. And there's no three men more qualified to have this debate than the three gentlemen sitting right here on this podcast. So let's get after it. This is a hard one, I got to say, though, because I love Spider-Man so much, but I love Batman so much. Who do you choose at better? What are what are the, the problem with this is what are the qualifications that make one greater in this scenario? Are we talking movies? Are we talking comics? Are we telling great stories? Are we talking stories that have uh, gone off and done more, like the Spider-Verse, the Bat Family, um, uh, Dark Knight, you know, uh, all the different iterations of these these characters that have that have gone from them being who they are to something bigger. Is that all included in this conversation? Of course. I was going to say, I think it has to be. And, you know, just to jump right in off the bat, here's what I think makes this interesting. I think both of these characters, you know, we we talk a lot about how certain characters are just archetypes of what they do, right? You know, to me, Superman obviously is an archetype of sort of the science fiction superhero. I think Wonder Woman is sort of an archetype of the mythological superhero. What I think is really interesting about Batman and Spider-Man is that they are almost combinations of archetypes adding up to a sum greater than than its parts. So with Batman, there's obviously a bit of the pulp man of the shadows hero in him. There's obviously a bit of grand mythological in the, in the sense that we talked about a few episodes ago, sort of the mythic storytelling proportions. Uh, there's that. There's sort of a dark, gothic, almost supernatural quality. He can, he could work in that world as well. And in a lot of ways, when you look at all the different facets of the character, he is, the word we always love to use, the apotheosis of each separate segment that feeds into him. And I think if you look at Spider-Man, you find that as well. Spider-Man is sort of what the teen sidekick, it's the end game of the teen sidekick. You know, what started with Robin in 1941 or 1940 or whatever it was, I think ends with Spider-Man because everything that Robin was meant to do, let the reader become part of the stories, you know, focus on what matters to kids, you know, fuse sort of um, a wish fulfillment element with, you know, the, the danger of being in this superheroic world, all of that, it comes to fruition in Spider-Man. 
and and maybe less um maybe less obvious than Batman. You know, Batman, like I said, it's a combination of of street level superhero, Ed's favorite, uh, dark supernatural myth. With Spider Man, I think if you look at all the different facets of Marvel comics, you know, from the X Men to the Avengers to the Defenders, Spider Man works in every context. And so I think there's again something to be said about that. Both of these characters are just supremely versatile. Um, you could sort of put them in whatever milieu you've got working, and they add their own special sauce. It's funny how the, each of them attack this. This is what a kid would want to be angle because you just perfectly elucidated why a kid would want to be Spider-Man because you're a grown-up kid and you have the responsibilities of a man, and it's about you taking those on. Whereas Batman is this constant child because he's so obsessed with his dead parents. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's indul- it's indulging kids in this. What if somebody fucking killed your parents, bro? What if somebody killed your parents, dude? And you had an old man in a mansion to take care of you and you had these resources. What would you do? You'd like to think you'd spend every waking hour trying to avenge them and becoming this apotheosis of, of human ability, but you know, you wouldn't. You'd be yeah, Logan you'd Paul go. at best. <laughs> you'd, <laughs> you'd go sit on a yacht in a fucking like beautiful location, chill out, fuck hot chicks. That's probably what you would be doing. Basically. So a day trader. You just take all that money and convince <laughs> mm-hmm. yourself you're doing work by playing the stock market. Oh, all you gotta yeah. do is short companies that pay people a living wage and watch them crumble before your eyes or your bank account rise. That's well, probably what you would pastime, do. Time, Ed. You're describing how I spend my weekends. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, I mean, I think you're onto something. If I think back to being, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, obviously we all had the fantasy of swinging through the city. Any any kid who visits a city and looks up at the skyscrapers has the fantasy of climbing the walls and swinging through those skyscrapers like Spider-Man. It's just an immutable fact of childhood. However, for me personally, I spent a lot more time and a lot more brain power thinking about, well, you know what? If I go to this empty field next to my parents' house, I could dig out a bat cave. You know what? If I sat Mm. down and took apart some toys and found some springs and some other things in my dad's tool shed, I could create some gadgets to put on my utility belt. You know, Mm. if I sat down with the sewing machine, a pair of scissors... I could create a little, you know, dark mask that would obscure my identity so I could go out avenging crime, whatever that might have been, to a, <laughs> to an eight-year-old in the suburbs. Um, I think there's a certain sexy allure, you know, it's been said many times, but to Batman being just a quote-unquote regular guy, and we know as adults that his superpower is money, but I'll tell you, I don't know, if, I'd be curious if you guys had that experience. As a kid, I didn't really grok the rich part of it, I was just like, oh, all this stuff that he does to be super, I could go do that stuff. Yeah, I didn't really think much about the rich stuff because it's not like in the comic books that they're like, because of his amazing resources and his rich family, he's able to buy a car. It's like, no, he just has a cool car and he's Batman and and he's got cool toys and he's got like this great you know, situation. He's got a costume, you know, like I don't I never thought about him being rich. But you want to know what's interesting? I did think about Peter Parker being poor. Oh, interesting. Nice. He was doing calculus when he was like 14. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't going to happen to me. 
Like real geniuses also have way more I, emotional problems than you do, Ron. You're a much, you're a much well, too I mean, well-adjusted guy to be a quote-unquote real genius. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. Well, to bring it all the way back around, that's an interesting uh, criteria to apply to Batman and Spider-Man because in both in both instances, they are presented as geniuses. And to Ed's point, Spider-Man is the genius who sort of gets over his ennui, gets over his inability, you know, the, the distance that the genius creates between him and the rest of society, whereas Batman completely succumbs to it. And that might be points in Spider-Man's favor if we're doing the versus matchup for, like, which of these is the greater superhero. Because at the end of the day, Batman, for all of his ability, um, can't overcome his trauma and his weirdness. Whereas Spider-Man kind of makes it his gig. Like, his whole thing is, I'm going to get past all this horrible stuff that happens to me. He's already, like, an orphan when when we see him. And it's not even he's he doesn't have any time to process that trauma because he gets some more. He had pre-trauma and then he got actual real trauma that we experience in the story. Uh, and that he I can feel, blame himself for too. Yep, yep. Well, as far as a feather in the guilt cap, I mean, <laughs> it isn't like it. It isn't like a little Bruce could have could have karate chopped the gun out of homeboy's hand, but Spider-Man yep. definitely could have stopped that fucker that killed Uncle Ben. I mean, that's a that's a fair point. Maybe. Maybe Spider-Man's not guilty enough. Maybe Spider-Man needs to succumb <laughs> to his ennui a little more. Um, he tries I, to know, keep I mean, it. He, he tries to keep it light with all the jokes, uh, which is also, by the way, I, very simple, very stupid. But also, one reason I sometimes move towards Spider-Man in this situation because I just feel like he's funny every once in a while, and I like someone who's funny every once in a while. And Batman is so rarely funny. That when he's funny, you're like, wow, Batman was funny. Well, you talk about creating an archetype. I mean, we sort of take for granted now that there are these wisecracking, acrobatic, sort of court jester style superhero characters. Spider-Man created that. You know, you don't have your Deadpools, your Gwenpools, or your, even your Harley Quinns without Spider-Man. They're all built yeah. on the Spider-Man template. So in terms of like, you know, I think that's an important thing to mention. I, I think, you know... Comics had been fun, they had been weird, they had been dark, they had been serious, they had been lighthearted, you know, they'd been all these things. But until Spider-Man showed up, I don't know that you could say that you had a protagonist who was legitimately funny, and who was written to be funny, written to be understood as funny, wise, you know, making off-color jokes in the middle of his fight scenes. Like, that is a little bit of an innovation with Spider-Man, and I think it's one that's really stuck to the superhero archetype. Well, he he is the best funny character, because they definitely tried it before, but people thought it sucked. Somehow, like, like people thought... Like Man, or, you know... Yeah, or, the, you know what I mean? Like, it just isn't... It, it, they don't... Th but those guys didn't get to be real superheroes. Like, I don't mm -hmm. give a fuck of... I don't give a fuck who you are. If you're a little kid thinking Plastic Man is, like, a real superhero the same way that Batman and Superman are, you're fucking crazy. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see it that way. Nobody saw it that way, but yeah. Spider-Man is a real superhero, just like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, the Hulk, anybody, because he, he's able to be a funny dude and be effective as a superhero and be respected as such, <laughs> which is a weird fucking sentence to say, even on a podcast like this. No, but again, it, it gives him a niche that none of those other major superheroes fill. And I think that that's an important thing to think about. I mean, mm -hmm. I think with Batman, it works a little bit of a different way. Batman almost created this whole niche. And whether or not he's still the best exemplar of it, I would argue maybe he is. 
But that idea of the dark brooding loner who, who skulks amongst the gargoyles on rooftops and, and appears from the shadows to deal out savage justice. I mean, there, you know, cartoonist kayfabe has made a, a little bit of a habit of, of referring to the splatterpunk black and white comics and all that. But I mean, those are all Batman riffs. Like there's mm-hmm. entire genres within the comics medium that are just riffs on Batman. So in terms of influence, yeah, Spider-Man has this great legacy of sort of the acrobatic, wisecracking Daredevil characters. But I mean, the the brooding creature of the night protecting his city, honestly, you know, it again, it had been tried before Batman in prose and the pulp novels, but Batman codified it in a way that has just lived on for 80 years now. I mean, hell, you wouldn't have gargoyles without Batman. I, I stand by Arguably. that. Arguably. Yeah, that's yeah. a great that's a great call. I mean, yeah, it's, what, it's what if this gargoyle he was perched on came alive and helped him solve a case? I mean, that's basically what it was. <laughs> if you really think about it, it was drawn by the same people. It had the same vibe. It was, I mean, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, guys. <laughs> well, I mean, in regards to this whole thing, though, I've got, I have a bunch of complicated thoughts going through my head. I'll try to parse them one okay. by one. First, sure. Robin was the first, I'll say some funny shit jumping around character, I think, that ever was. And he was a sidekick, Ooh. so maybe we're not whatever. So, But then, but check it out. You see how the cycles go, right? Then, motherfucking Nightwing, right now, bro. Nightwing right now is just fucking Spider-Man and Daredevil had sex on a rooftop sometime. They shit out this new way they do Dick Grayson. See how the cycle goes? It's like, you influence me, I influence you. You created me. I created you first. You know, that whole (laughs) thing. That's happening with with that archetype. So I think that's kind of interesting how the how these characters are are kind of uh, blending in the the they trod the same ground in regards to this acrobatic nature, this this swing out through the city, but Batman was always a swinger. He didn't start gliding until until you, until your boy came in. He gl- he glid glid. He glid. glided a, he, he glided a little bit in the seventies, like two times, and then like uh, I think there was a couple times in the eighties he glided. He was falling and then he glided to save himself or whatever. For the Glow. most part, gl- <laughs> for, for, for the most part, they didn't let him do that shit. He swung just like Spider-Man swung. And all I'm getting to is this swing around the city, super urban, wouldn't even work in the middle of the country character that both of these guys symbolize, right? Then you tack on the fact that they are the just above street level characters. They have their own category because street level, Batman's above the Moon Knight of old, the, the, the Daredevil of old that, you know, we, that we knew. It's just sort of parkour across rooftops and stuff. But Batman has like a world influence. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man hadn't until recent storylines. And I think it doesn't look good on him, honestly. That said, though, if you think about it, the very first intertitle team up Marvel ever did was Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four, which I believe mm-hmm. was, you know, the amazing Spider-Man, like the, the first time he got his own title in Marvel Comics, it guest starred the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, I mean, Spider-Man's bag from literally the very beginning has been not to, not on par with the Cosmic Adventurers, but there to be the court jester there to be mm. the eyes of the audience into these more cosmic, you know, mythological mm. type worlds. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting distinction because I think Batman obviously has one foot in the cosmic mythological world. Yep. You know, Batman has that more um 
ephemeral mythic tone, but their function within those worlds, Batman is meant to show that the, the, the quote unquote average person doesn't have to feel like it's beyond them. You too can master these so-called, you know, ascendant spaces and, and these, these beings of great cosmic power. You don't have to feel inferior to them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's competence porn. Whereas with Spider-Man, it's almost a Statler and Waldorf, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern thing. Like Spider-Man is never more self-effacing than when he's with the Avengers or the Fantastic Four and Galactus is crunching through downtown. Like he knows how powerless he is. He knows he's not meant to be there. Mm-hmm. He's almost commenting on the fact that, you know, there's all this stuff above and beyond us. And like, I'm never going to hope to be a part of it. But like, we can still laugh and get along in the meantime. You know what I mean? It's sort of, you know, laughing in the face of cosmic horror. And I think there's, again, I don't know which is better, but if you distill it down, it's a really interesting way that you use both characters. One is sort of being, you know, grimly defiant in the face of cosmic horror. And the other is sort of laughing right past it. And I think both are really interesting distillations of like the human response to the unknown or, you know, the, the bigger than yourself. Yeah. I think also we need to start bringing up um, Rogues Gallery a little bit, maybe. If we're Ooh. talking about if we're talking mm. about just if we're talking about just Rogues Gallery being like their own run of comics, not counting Justice League or or any of that, Batman has almost no real challenges. They're all mental challenges most of the time, and Spider Man is in over his head pretty much. All of the time. Doc Ock stronger than him. Green Goblin stronger than him. I guess Hobgoblin technically isn't, but then he does eventually in some of the runs get that Oz serum and be a little less crazy than Green Goblin. So it's like there's he's I feel like Spider-Man's in a little like seems to be in more danger than Batman a lot of times. Not counting Justice League, of course. Well, Okay, I, I'll jump in here right here just to say the one thing that bothers me about Batman's competency porn is just how much plot armor they put on his villains for them to be able to compete with him. Because yeah. they've built him up to be so great, but then he trips on a step and gets a clonk by an umbrella. Oh, a squirting flower gets his arm, so he's got one arm, so he has to fight him commando style, like you know, like Bennett, Joker, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Blow off some steam, Joker. Go around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's it's a, these fights where it's just like this dude fights undead everything from undead ninjas to dark side, and sometimes a fat guy with an umbrella just knocks him out, or sometimes Killer Croc gets him in a bear hug in a sewer. It's like this guy is so fucking competent. None of this should even be able to happen to him at all. Meanwhile, you go over to a Spider-Man comic. These motherfuckers got spider sense killing abilities. They know his fucking, uh, they know where he lives. They got, they can press, they can bench press 15 tons. Notably, you know, your boy can lift 10. Every fucking body that shows up in Spider Town lifts 12 to 15 tons to 20 to 70 tons. Rolls in knowing where the fuck he lives, beating up his mom and shit. And you know, it's all stacked against him all the time. So I, I, Marvel wins that one straight the fuck up. That's why they have to have him fuck with the gods. They gotta, they gotta have him fence with, with fucking Theseus and, and beat up Superman every fucking minute. Because those are the only things that would ever challenge the person that they've built. I think that's a big strike against Batman. And I love Batman. 
Yeah, I think another point in Spider-Man's column here is, Ed, you talked about the iterative nature of, and the cyclical nature of these things. If you look at Batman's rogues gallery, I mean, most of them are actually from the Golden Age. Like, most of mm-hmm. them are from the 40s. Mm-hmm. And it was clear that they were just biting Dick Tracy. Right, just mm-hmm. villain, essentially gangsters with gimmicks that made for really interesting visuals, and that's what they were. And I think when it came time to create Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery, they essentially took that approach of you know the interesting visual gimmicks in the Rogues Gallery, but yeah, they leveled it up by ten. You know, mm-hmm. they act, they created real threats, and then, and you know, to your point too, Ed, part of it it comes down to Spider-Man's character. Like he's a character that is meant to be an underdog. Mm-hmm. And like for me personally, I love the Batman stories when he's presented as more of an underdog, when he's mm-hmm. presented as more of like, God, how can one man actually deal with this? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the fact that you turn him into he's the greatest athlete, the most brilliant mind, the most seasoned detective and, you know, the best dad who ever lived. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> like, that's, that's a bit <laughs> and look, look, technically, he's the, <laughs> he's the fourth best martial artist in the world. <laughs> but but he is still the fourth. <laughs> well, that's another thing. They don't really. I I think Batman is one of the. I think Spider Man might be as great as he can be, and maybe have been rendered as great as he could possibly be rendered already. And I think that with Batman, I can always see a little room for improvement. So what is that? Let me kind of push back on that, though. I mean, I think probably around the eighties writers sort of realized, oh my God, we could do anything we want with Batman. And maybe it was earlier, maybe it was during the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams run, where suddenly it was like, oh, we can turn him from sort of the campy Adam West shtick that he had been for a while into like a James Bond style globetrotting adventurer with, you know, real threats and serious stories. I think they discovered the versatility of the Batman concept a while ago. And in the intervening, crap, 50 years since the 70s, like, we have now seen Batman with all different tones in all different settings and milieus, you know, in a way that really reaffirms, yeah, this works kind of no matter what. Mm -hmm. I I would argue they only really discovered that Spider-Man might have that same versatility maybe 10, 15 years ago. Like, when was Miles Morales introduced? With a hat tip to Spider-Man 2099, which, you know, was probably the most successful series of that short-lived 2099 imprint that Marvel had. I think that we are still in the infancy of people realizing, like, the Spider-Man concept is something that can be applied in a lot Mm. of different ways. And they're still Mm. experimenting. I think these movies, you know, from Into the Spider-Verse to Spider-Man No Way Home to the forthcoming Spider-Verse sequel, which goes even crazier with multiverse stuff. It's a little on the nose the way they're doing it. Like, let's pluck different types of Spider-Men straight out of the multiverse. But I think that that's the opening salvo and really understanding that, like, the Spider-Man concept is potentially just as universal and just as versatile as Batman. Yeah, I so there's think- more room for growth in Spider-Man. Um, and, I mean, I guess they're, what, they're 20 years apart age-wise, right? Uh, yeah, about that. 25. I was also going to say, though, that I think one of the things that maybe limits Spider-Man as far as being that infinitely malleable concept is the fact that he has superpowers. You know, there's something to be said about the fact that 
as an eight-year-old, you can literally start planning how you're going to be Batman and believe that it could really happen. You can't do that with Spider-Man. And not to say that like eight-year-old fantasies are the basis for all this great writing that's happened, but it speaks to the fact that like you can place that concept of a man loses his or a boy loses his parents and grows to become a man consumed with an idea of vengeance and then takes on a frightening visage in order to enact that vengeance. And you can literally put that in any time, place, or planet that you want, and it'll hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas with Spider-Man, there's a versatility to that idea of, like, I gained power, prestige, privilege, whatever it might be, and because I was callous about it, I let somebody close to me die. And so now I must devote myself to this ideal of with great power comes great responsibility. That's infinitely malleable, but it sort of requires that big change of, well, what is acquiring power, prestige, or privilege in a way that you just don't need with Batman? Everybody has parents. Everybody knows how horrible it is if your parents are gone. And like mm-hmm. Spider-Man requires a little bit more specificity, which maybe makes him a little bit less versatile. Well, I would say, I would say it, and maybe not to the versatility point, but just the Spider-Man mythos has this thing that well, a lot of people can key on because in superheroes, everybody's rich, basically. Oliver Queen's rich. Fucking the Vision's rich because they don't have to eat. You know what I mean? Like, where do these people take a shit? They live in towers in space. You know what I mean? So it's like all these basic real life things are taken away from almost every superhero mm. except Spider-Man. Spider-Man, his the specialness is he does get powers. He is greater than human and it makes his life worse. It doesn't yeah. add on to an already comfortable existence that's, that's, that's now a daredevil experiment for me like Batman's is. You get powers. But it's always at that weird personal cost you guys were talking about. You, you betray somebody, you, you lose contact or whatever, and you, and you, and you, uh, your uncle gets killed, your aunt gets killed, whatever. That's usually there. But more, more so, you get these powers that are this responsibility that doesn't necessarily make you money. You can't just go join the Knicks. They would, they, a white boy jumping 40 feet from the, jumping from half court and Duncan with the fucking feds would be dissecting your ass in a minute. You have these powers that enable you to help people. And almost call you to help people because honestly, what the fuck else are you going to do with them without, mm-hmm. without bamboozling people, without being subject to inquiry and the ex fucking Fox Mulder showing up at your locker at the New York Knicks facility, you know what I'm saying? Try to get a scrape of your fucking, your DNA off the soap or whatever. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. without that bullshit happen to you, you have to stay anonymous. Number one, help people. Number two, and you ain't going to get rich because if you have spider powers and you're not a super fucking genius, you're not going to invent the next app or whatever. And Spider-Man is a genius. We'll get to that in a minute. But if you get these spider powers alone, they don't save your life or help you. If you're mm-hmm. as self-sufficient as Batman and as resourceful as Batman, any way that goes besides the dead parent things, it's a pretty cool thing. And you get to dictate your own life. You control your own life. You have more agency than almost any Spider-Man has. And you definitely have more privilege than almost any Spider-Man has. Mm. Yeah, I mean... I I see that completely. I think that that idea of I have power, I am technically better than people, and yet it makes my life worse is sort of the secret sauce of Marvel. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Spider-Man sort of became their flagship, even more than the X-Men, who, of course, fight for a world that hates and fears them. 
Spider-Man was doing it first and better, if you think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and and I think that, you know, that is why all of Marvel resonates, and maybe it was never done better than Spider-Man. You know, the the it's the misunderstood monster thing. It's that that great Stan Lee twist of let's make superheroes misunderstood monsters. Dude, between Hulk, X-Men, and Spider-Man. Marvel has the market locked on. You don't understand me, bro. People. Well, I mean, even extended further, if you look at Daredevil, same thing. I got great power, but it horribly scarred me. And um, even the revived Captain America, right? Suddenly, he's a man out of time in a world that he can't understand. And it's like, maybe the world doesn't hate and fear him, but a little bit of him hating and fearing the world. You know, he suddenly is in a in a time and place that like he doesn't have a handle on. I think all the Marvel characters fit that formula to some degree, and, and it's interesting if you turn that eye towards DC, right? So Batman, clearly the flagship character of DC, and sort of what is that very succinct character type that he represents? I don't know that I could say it better than you know transcendence. I think in a lot of ways, all the DC characters are sort of these riffs on myths of like people who are searching for a way to matter or attain power or change the world. And then being the superhero is when they get it. Right. And I think that's why a lot of DC characters are hard to write for because their most vital stories have already been told. The story of like, how do I become the thing I was meant to be? Whether that's Superman or Aquaman or Wonder Woman or whomever. Yeah. Batman fits that mold too. But I think the genius of the concept is that he still has that core wound that will never be solved. He can never stop his parents from being killed. That sets him on a journey to become more than a man and war against criminals and blah, blah, blah. But he can never go back and fix it. And I think that that's why, you know, Batman becomes this character that you can keep telling stories about and keep reinventing in a way that just hits harder than even Superman, who also has a core wound, or or Wonder Woman, who also has a core wound. So, yeah, which, I mean, it brings me, which brings me to my new my new idea for a comic book called Bat Point, where the Flash runs with Batman in his arms back in time to save his parents. Then he just turns into <laughs> Bruce Wayne or Logan Paul in the R- Flash's arms, and that's the whole comic book. <laughs> Fair the, enough. Hey, yeah. I think that's it's so it's interesting you said that because uh, I was thinking of how Batman's origin origin is so interesting. They gave it to fucking Flash. You know what I'm saying? Flash was a <laughs> yeah. non character until like 2008. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, we don't need to get down that rabbit hole. And, uh, but I will say this. Uh, so money versus no money. We've talked about influence on you as a kid. Batman sort of wins because you get, you, you can see yourself. Yeah. But I had a belt that I took apart and then I, and then I had a, a bolt off an old radiator and I concocted this, this long fucking like rope thing with a grappling hook out of it. And it was like the first thing I did and I had that rolled up on my belt. And then I had like another fucking thing. Like it's like a a piece of metal basically that my uncle would like got off his IROC Z or some shit. And I would (laughs) throw this fucking piece of metal like a shuriken. And, and it was, it was all during all of that stuff happens because of Batman. Mm -hmm. And as many times as I've made my hands into the, 
I've made more utility belts in my mind and for myself in real life. I just got to give the edge to Batman on that that youthful influence jazz. Okay, and we we talked up a little bit about their their rogues gallery. I got to go Spidey on rogues gallery because I just despise Batman's rogue gallery. I just really do. And Ron made such great points about it, so I need to belabor those. You look at, okay, now I think right now we're trying to parse out what their their origin as it relates to them as characters, the flagship characters of their companies. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's just sort of like the distillation of a certain aspect of superheroes, mm-hmm. right? And, and like I said, Spider-Man being the misunderstood, the best version of the misunderstood monster, Batman being the best version of I'm going to become more than a man. Um, so I don't know who gets the... I mean, honestly, I'm leaning Spider-Man, which is which is weird for me because I'm usually in the bag for DC. But like Spider-Man does the, you know, protecting and saving a world that hates and fears him so well in a way that honestly, for me, X-Men just never jived. I got that with Spider-Man. I don't know. Where would DC be without Batman? And where would Marvel be without Spider-Man? Well, I mean, if you want to start talking sort of their real life corporate impact, well, yeah, that that's a se- that's a separate category. I am announcing okay. that as a second category. Okay. So okay. presently, I am leaning towards Wash in regards to what they are because honestly, Batman is the apotheosis of any man can be anything. What one man can do, another can do, mm. as they say in the Edge. Mm. He's the apotheosis of that in a way the Spider Man can't be because his shit is too. Both of their powers richness and mutagenic super strength and speed and precognition (laughs) Um, these things come from accidents of birth not birth but just accidents period it's just a cosmic accident that i'm born in wayne matter it's a cosmic accident i got bit by the spider but after you get past that i mean just batman i don't know i I like both of them so that's why i'm saying this one's a wash because i've already given spider-man a couple categories but to me it's it's a wash in regards to like the best monster the best i'm a cool guy (sighs) they're both really great at that they're both really great at that to the point where they're flagship characters that's a it's a hard one for me but i think i'm leaning towards spider-man on this one too just i don't know i just i don't know what who does that character better than Spider-Man? Like, I can't think of any. I mean, to me, though, that's a, that's a stat category, though. It's like, okay, you got fucking Frankenstein. The, I mean, it's it, but it's stacked in this weird way that is messed up. It's like Frankenstein, goddamn werewolves. And who else is, like, actually doing the misunderstood monster besides, well, besides I, Hulk? Besides Hulk, I think all who of, he trounces I, soundly. But I would you argue know? that there's an element of that in all of Marvel, just like there's an element in almost all of DC of, like, I will build myself into something more than I am, right? Like, I, I don't know. It, it is a wash. In a lot of ways, we're talking in circles because this is this is really just the justification for why these two characters are the flagships of their companies. Yeah. So... I would go with Ed. I'd say maybe we move past this one. Okay. Because Spider-Man seems to be in the lead right now, I want to maybe introduce this idea. Greatest works in both comics, animation, and film in, you know, both creating and then adapting the character. Hmm. Yeah, let's get into this. And this is an interesting thing because Batman was trouncing, uh, Batman was trouncing him for like, what, 30 years? And then all of a sudden, just Spider-Man just comes off the ropes like, with all this media. 
Yeah. Well, it is interesting that like we now have had as many sort of live action iterations of Spider-Man as we have ah the the Batman puts Batman over the top. But if you think yeah, about it like 10 but but if you think about it, the original um, Burton verse, I know that the tones and the actors changed wildly. But if you take from Batman to um, Batman and Robin as one chunk, and then you've got the Nolan Bale stuff, and then you've got the Zack Snyder stuff, and then you've got the Batman, right? So those are the sort of eras of Batman on film. We now have had three eras of Spider-Man on film. And you could make the argument that the Spider-Verse movies make it four. So yeah. they've had an equal number of, of cinematic eras at this point. Spider-Man's has just been super, super condensed into about a 10-year period. Huh. Okay, so do, so what do we think about, like, I think we should get right to it. What do we think about the lasting impacts of these movies? Like, in 40 years, you're looking back on... Nolan verse versus the, the, the Tom Holland movies. I mean, Batman all day. For me, Batman all day. See, that's and what I'm, I'm saying. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like in 40 years, people are still going to be sucking off Nolan. <laughs> and fucking, I don't know if they're going to be like, wow, that guy, what's his name? Uh, Tom, Tom Holland. Holland, who, Tom Holland, yes. who directed the Spider Man movies. No, actually, this other director whose name I can't remember. They're going to be well actually in each other without being I able mean, to remember this guy's fucking this. name. I can't remember his name. His name is John I, Watts, but because uh, I'm an actual scenist, because <laughs> uh-huh. I watch popcorn oh, movies and, 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 and take part of Disney Fair, so that makes me smart. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. No, but you know what I'm saying? So that's well, what you, I'm saying. I think Batman probably edges this out, although I will make an argument that Into the Spider-Verse uh, the, the, was one of the best comic book things I've ever seen in my whole life. I was a game changer. Yeah. Totally yeah. So. So I mean I don't know if it'll have as lasting effect as your like your good point about the the Nolan movies or even this the Batman which is like really good like Very good. it's really good so like I don't know it's that's it's a great okay. point well let's say but let's say this this is why it's hypothetical I would go with Spider Man if the year was twenty thirty two and they'd made about four or five of these fucking um, multiverse Spider Man movies and each of them was yeah. like good to great. I mean, damn! I don't. Batman's never done that. As far as all the animated movies, we talked to our man Sam Liu and stuff. There's great animated movies based upon comic book properties from Batman all over the place. But if we're talking about feature film budgeted, two three year projects, <laughs> they, I mean, those Spider Man movies would be trouncing anything. Uh, so I, I think that that would be that would be an interesting world to do this argument in. But until that time. Yeah, I got to give it to Batman, and I'm such a Batman lover that I hate most Batman movies because it's not the guy that's in my head that I made out of Legos. Right. You know, I mean, but, there's yeah, there's an interesting, there's a whole other argument that we could have about how you know you have these serious issues with the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Yeah. The Dark Knight is considered not just one of the greatest superhero movies ever made, but one of the great movies ever made. So you know, yeah. no, I, know I, I could mileage may vary. But. No, I could step aside. Just like you did with this argument, I could be the I could be the fatter man, Bill. I could say <laughs> that look, I do not appreciate the Dark Knight. I think it sucks and is flawed from the get go. But other people think of it as this this exemplar of film verisimilitude and making this character a real person. 
I also very much deify Batman Begins. And I find, even though I don't like The Dark Knight, it's still a good sequel to my favorite Batman movie, Batman Begins. Sure. So, I mean, I can't really... And, and again, people love it. People think it's as good as, like, Sophie's Choice and shit, you know? Like, people go nuts over these things, and I can't ignore them. I can't ignore how pervasive that thought is. That's what I think a lot of, you know, comic book nerds, of which I'm assuming most of our audience is a part, um, tend to ignore, is the fact that The Dark Knight, for as much as you might have problems with it as a comic book adaptation, is widely considered by the larger culture by mm-hmm. cinephiles who don't care about superheroes mm-hmm. to be one of the great all-time movies. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your your buddy who grew up in the 70s raised on Serpico and, you know, doesn't give a shit about any of this sp- tights, and, tights and spandex crap, like, might still love The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's worth saying. Let me throw a, a monkey wrench in, though. As much as I think Batman wins this, one of the interesting reactions I had to the Batman was that for all it did new, parts of it still felt very redundant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you made the point earlier, Ed, that like Batman is sort of this infinitely versatile character. I agree with that. But on film, I'm worried that they're running out of things to do with him or the studio is limiting what people are allowed to do with him. Because it's almost, I don't want to say it's becoming formulaic, but it's becoming just a little bit redundant in a way that certainly the studio is not doing with Spider-Man. Well, see, and and see, and this, this, and I know, uh, let's jump in here, Ron, but I just, this is my problem, which is why I feel like I'm almost talking myself into the Spider-Man thing. Because all all the Spider-Man movies are ultra competent, if not super great. Whereas Batman has had some extreme peaks and some extreme valleys. Yes, the extreme peak of the Dark Knight is fucking amazing. But the Dark Knight Rises sucks ass. Half of the Burtonverse movies, led by Schumacher and them, suck ass, like super hard. There isn't any Spider-Man thing besides maybe Amazing Spider-Man 2 that sucks ass. Especially even to the larger culture. The larger culture loves Spider-Man 2 like it's fucking Godfather 2. I mean, I I would say that it's not as good as The Dark Knight, but Spider-Man 2 is up there as one of the greatest superheroes ever made, superhero movies ever made. It's, you know, it's got to be in that conversation. This last yeah. Spider-Man movie uh, is pretty fucking great, too. It's a really good movie, and it makes me think that they're setting up even better Spider-Man movies to come. That's very The way true. it ends. And yeah. so, I mean, I will say this. This is actually crazy to say, though. Batman's movies has made a lot more money yeah i mean like that, a lot point. more that's like a point. lot more like yeah like yeah. And not counting not counting if you count a civil war as you can't count civil war as a spider-man movie uh if otherwise that it, it would come close but like like you know you the 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 dark knight made a billion dollars dark the dark knight also made a billion dollars uh and batman begins didn't do as well as that but it's still pretty they, they had to shake off this the fucking sh- Schumacherness. No, you know, R.I.P. But get the, get the fuck out of here. They had to conquer yeah. the Schumacher stuff to get people back in the theater. To the, that's a yeoman's job of work. The Batman Begins. Don't disparage my yeah. boy. You know, <laughs> I mean, it still made good. By the way, it still made good money because it's like, a Batman movie, which is to our point that 
anything Batman sells. Spider-Man got to still be good. (laughs) Yeah, to the larger audience, though. I mean, I think that there is, like, everybody just fucking loves Batman. And again, that's not the point of this conversation. We're going deeper than that. But Mm -hmm. it counts for something. I think that maybe it's a point to Spider-Man. And, you know, I find myself in these, you always find yourself picking a side in the middle for some Mm -hmm. reason. And I love Spider-Man. And I, I just think he's the greatest. But when I'm looking at the argument for Batman, I find myself going like Spider Batman. I'm trying to say that he's going to be the best in film going forward. And I don't think it's true for the points that Bill was saying earlier in regards to it seems like they're running out of things to say. There's a, they ran out of things, so many things to say that now he's just a super cop. And I know I've made this rant. I'm not going to start it over again, but now he just no. stands with the cops doing cop shit. They've taken all the myth out of it. They, it's like, like they, they take tweezers. And rip off the, like you're clipping a bonsai tree. They clip all the mythic, unknowable, beautiful things off of my boy mm. and leave this paramilitary fucking asshole left. This mm-hmm. guy who, who definitely rides the subway at night and beats up people who can't even afford a fucking car. You know what I mean? He, he's still that guy in the start of this movie. I love the fact that they're trying to expand that. All I'm trying to told you is goddamn. Spider-Man is expanding. Spider-Man's fighting motherfuckers in other universes. Spider-Man's black. He's a chick. He's a goddamn ham. He's all type of shit. <laughs> he, he, his, his thing is expanding as to what he is. And he, just like Batman, has a similar ability to fight above his weight. When we saw Spider-Man in the adventures of the Civil War, fighting people who could credibly fight Thor and She-Hulk and beating them. You know what I mean? You got to see that, like, Spider-Man is that dude. Like, if you if you really if you turn Spider-Man evil and set him upon the Marvel universe, those motherfuckers would be in trouble in the <laughs> same way as an evil Batman to the DC universe is they're in trouble. So I think I think that's kind of a, a bunch of points for the each character. Well, let me let me throw one last wrinkle in here that kind of combines both the characters in other media and the influence on kids. I was just uh visiting my family. I have a 6-year-old niece we were drawing together. She said, let's draw our favorite superheroes. So I drew Superman and I look over at her as I go, who are you drawing? She goes, ghost spider. I'm like, ghost spider. I never even heard of this. Ghost spider is the, what they rebranded spider Gwen mm-hmm. for the kids cartoon. Mm-hmm. And my niece loves it. And mm-hmm. where I think that's relevant is now you have a Spider-Man that a six-year-old girl who's not even like super into so superheroes can imagine herself being. Yeah. And I think that that's really powerful. I mean, that they're using the brand, they're expanding the brand, to your point, Ed, in a way that's becoming ever more inclusive and in a lot of ways ever more interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, neither of my sisters were going to imagine themselves as Batman when we were kids. So I just yeah. think it's very telling that like now I have a niece who is imagining herself as a version of Spider-Man. Well, there's that moment in Into the Spider-Verse where Mary Jane is saying, Peter always said that everyone and anyone could be Spider-Man. All you have to do is put on the mask uh, or, or something along those lines. And it's just like, I remember that moment and going, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. can stand up for what's right. Everybody can look out for their their neighborhood and their neighbors. You know, like that's and I and I don't think Batman's character 
goes with that. I, I, you know, they brought that, they've tried to bring that out in other movies that he inspires people to stand up for themselves and stuff like that. I think they've tried to do that a couple of times, but most often it's just him punching crime in the face. It's not, it's not a, it's not an inspirational thing. And I, and I feel like Spider-Man, even the movies as compared to the, even compared to the movies, I feel like Spider-Man's more inspirational and, and optimistic. Well, I, but I think that's also though, I think now we're edging into, as we round out here, the corporate conversation. Because, god damn it, Spider-Woman, when I was a kid, was a fucking joke. Spider-Woman sucked. She had her own little book that kept getting canceled all the time. She wasn't cool. And when they really looked at her origin, she wasn't really connected to Peter at all. That's what I was going to say. She wasn't part of a spider family. Like, right. And it was just a totally one-off concept. So, so that's what I'm saying in regards to if you're just talking about I took the brand and tried to miss a, to try to apply it to some new person, that was a foray into that. And somehow that character has survived to become a really good spider person character, like a mentor spider person character in these days because they treated the character with a lot more character gravitas. All I'm saying is company wise, Marvel is doing more of this cutesy inclusive jazz, but I can't stand, let, stand by and let you guys do this Batgirl erasure. And know this Batman Incorporated <laughs> yes, erasure. Sir. You know what I'm saying? Because Batgirl, since the fucking 60s, has given little girls a bat person to be. And even sure. and that per- bat person isn't even rich. And that yeah. bat person has this special uh, thing of, if my dad fucking finds out, this is my ass. You know, Batman's yeah. his best friend. And there's this weird secret between them. And But she, she has such a passion for justice. And he's like, okay, this bitch is going to do this anyway. She's going to get fucking killed unless I help her. And so now I'm helping her. And then she ends up falling in love with, with uh, Dick Grayson. And it's just a beautiful thing. And then we take it to Batgirl, the Batgirl I know as Batgirl, which is Cassandra Kane, who is like uh, Lady Shiva's daughter, super martial artist, could beat Batman up in a fight. He admits it. Mm-hmm. These type of people that Batman inspires. And, and, the, and the No Man's Land thing, where there was a literal earthquake that destroyed Gotham worse than anything in the Batman or any of that bullshit. They were drowning in silt. There was like fucking uh, Margot Kidder and Superman. <laughs> they were smashed up over there. And a Batgirl arose with a stitched up mask who decided to be Batgirl on her own because it didn't seem like Batman was around or Batman was too busy to deal with all how society had crumbled. And she had to step in and be Batgirl in that moment. And it's yeah, just like, there's good. a lot of shit going on with, with Batman being able to inspire people in the comics. But I'll say this as my last point. Fucking Batman corporate doesn't care about that. It doesn't yeah. give a fuck. It doesn't put it in the movies. They put it in TV shows and all these diversions, but they've never truly embraced it on screen. Uh, Alyssa Silverstone's baby fat ass 20 years ago aside, they never really embrace it and put it on screen with that alacrity. Well, it's an interesting thing because I think from, from a standpoint of creating a brand out of the character in the comic books, Batman just wins hands down. And in a lot of ways, the Bat family is Batman's version of with great power comes great responsibility. Like that is where we see the graduation of his character into, I mean, you know what? Yeah. We're just praying. Yeah, it seems like that's what I'm saying. Like that's, uh, that's why I didn't bring up that point. Cause like we're like praising Spider Man for stealing all the Batman's moves. You know what I mean? A, a little bit here uh, as far as this thing. And, uh, but, uh, but again, Disney's branding right. the sub characters. Yeah. Better than Warner Brothers is branding the sub characters as far as major motion pictures, which is why we're getting this recency bias and why it's so confusing. No, and it's also interesting because recently they're doing better in cartoons. Marvel is, but that was never 
No. And The Rock says never <laughs> the case before. Mm-hmm. Because Batman animated uh, and and DC animated in general is miles above usual Marvel uh, animated. But lately, they've had a lot of stuff coming out that really gets people pumped up and inspired. So it's interesting. I, I, I still think I have to go uh, Batman on this one. I, I, yeah, I mean, this is a, close, this isn't, yeah, this isn't just a nerd opinion. Like, nothing Marvel has ever done on television or in animation comes close to the Bruce Tim animated universe from yeah. Batman the Animated Series all the way through Justice League Unlimited. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah so. not even a discussion. Clear points to Batman. Clear. So, so, so now that we have, so basically, I don't even know how many subcategories we went through, but like, yeah. when, we, when we talk about the corporate jazz <laughs> of it, Let's have that conversation because yep. I feel like the, the the corporate impact jazz. I mean, Batman's holding the roof up like goddamn Samson or something, you know what I mean, or, or Atlas rather. You know, what I mean? like he's holding the roof up. It's yeah. If you if you oh, took Spider Man away from Marvel, I don't know how bad that would be. Like if you did it right now, if you did it right now, you took Spider Man away. I, they would be fine. It, it would be a bummer. Sales, their comic book sales would suffer. I mean, just just to give context for the audience, yeah, yeah. like Batman and Spider Man are both easily the best selling characters on a on a long enough time scale for yeah. either company. It's not that you know they're trading off the number one spot in sales every month, but like no other character from either company really touches Batman or Spider Man over say the past twenty years for those two companies. So. It's yeah. it's worth noting, but beyond that, if we're talking about like the greater corporate entities of who are trying to sell you movies, toys, you know, lunch boxes, whatever, um, yeah, Spider Man is a big piece of it. But now they have this whole other brand created by the MCU that Spider Man is almost you know an addendum to, um, whereas all of public DC, all of it. Maybe not including the CW universe, but even that is on the decline. And I don't know how much merchandising traction they ever even got out of that stuff. Mm. Batman makes the money all day long in all media for DC. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. It's like Batman is super malleable. Spider-Man is super relatable. Yeah. What is more valuable in the context of this conversation between these three individuals is kind of how it's it's shaking out because corporate wise, Batman trounces history wise. As far as doing this, I'm a brand myself thing. Spider-Man is a novice who's kicking ass, but this motherfucker is, you know, uh, Roger Federer, you know what I'm saying, of kicking ass in his sport. You know what I mean? He's been here for years. Let me bring this all the way down to what matters to me and the way that I think about this stuff. And you guys can feel free to disagree. But I mean, let's talk about telling a story with the characters. Mm-hmm. And I think if you mm. look, if you look at the comic books, right, which is where both of their most versatile versions exist, I think clearly, and feel free to argue, but clearly Batman has the better canon, has the better body of work, has the better you know, collection of all-time great comic book stories and versions. It's Batman all day. And here's an interesting thing to think about. If you yourself are writing and drawing a a Batman story or a Spider-Man story, to really take advantage 
of Batman's versatility, you can let your imagination run wild. I mean, you can literally take Batman and do anything from put him in a time loop to send him to outer space to create a whole secret history where he was on drugs and has a backup personality implanted into his brain. I mean, you can do this crazy stuff and all you're doing is writing a Batman story. With Spider-Man, I think maybe to the character's detriment, as a writer, you are still either having some shit go down in Manhattan or you're having him tag along on some bigger adventure starring other superheroes. Yeah. I would go Batman. I would be more excited to create for Batman. It's, I mean, it's interesting because I think you're right on, on that level. But also, I feel like that's why Spider-Man would be more interesting Was is is in a way... I would like a challenge to put out a Spider-Man story that really stands up to things like the Dark Knight Returns and, you know, Batman Year One and all those other things. Like, Spider-Man uh, serial, serial storytelling vibe, because that's what it's always been. It, they've never had, I mean, like, I don't, I can't even think of a, a run maybe superior Spider-Man and the ultimate Spider-Man uh, universes that are, that are really good. But those are even, but those are all really, really long story arcs. The, the concise story arcs that for, for Spider-Man are few and far between. And I wonder if somebody was able to actually write a, a cool, good version of that, if it would be better. I mean, as far as things that are existing right now, yes. I think Batman wins that. There's just long Halloween. There's, there's however many. I mean, when you talk about like someone could or should or would, I also think it's worth noting that like in the comic books, Spider-Man essentially is and always has been a soap opera. And yeah. so you're, you're writing, you know, for the plot lines that last years and the subplots and the love interests and all this stuff, which isn't necessarily worse. But I'm just saying as a as a creative enterprise, as something to sink your teeth into as a creative person, and possibly yeah. even as a consumer, I just think that you get more bang for your buck with Batman in comics, which yeah. is not the be-all end-all. But I don't know. For me, that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. Well, okay. But this, this is an interesting part of the conversation because I'd say – Batman, the conventional wisdom is when Batman comes out, clear out the motherfucking theaters, dog. He'd come through swinging his big bat dick and he's going to rock your shit. And that's great and all. But in the new serial nature of movies, mm. Spider-Man has had three movies in a row that kick ass. Has Batman? Mm. Fucking mm. no. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like that's that's interesting how that's coming. But again, it might it's almost like this new paradigm that we don't have enough evidence of yet. Yeah. But, you know. but there, there is, there's a hint that Spider-Man and and his stories and his type of storytelling might be a better fit for our times. I mean, I, I think, I, I think that that's where that see that's where the rubber meets the road to me as far as what I am. I'd say Batman is the greatest hero, not necessarily of the past, and Spider-Man is the greatest hero of the future because the future versions of Batman are going to be so sick. And but maybe, <laughs> maybe. They're going to be a little bit too techy because I think 
Batman is part of a disappearing world. Batman is part of, I could learn such ninja skills to where you guys are looking right at me. If we had tea across from each other, I could switch our glasses of tea in the time it took you to blink, as he does in a, at a Grant Morrison story. Yep. That's insane. No one could ever do that. That's the dumbest shit I ever heard. But it's awesome because Batman did it when he needed to do it. Batman has the proper amount of reflexes, the proper amount of mental this, proper amount of da da da, da to solve anything. Because he's so mythic and dope, and that's what's great about him. But he's part of this disappearing world of this unknowable powers that the I got from the man. Orient. Yeah, yeah this mystery man. You're right. You're right. He, he's he, that's going away, and what's rapidly taking its place is this uh, mutagenic. Uh, uh, I, the world is changing. The power sources are changing. I'm imbibed by the that radioactive spider shit or gene splice spider shit or whatever shit. It could, it goes along with the times, whatever yeah. times we're in. You know what I mean? Whereas this, I went to the Orient and learned a bunch of stuff you can't learn really ages poorly. No, <laughs> going I know, because I can literally go down the street and learn ultimate fighting right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a combination of like six different <laughs> martial arts. Yeah. Like, that's, like that's it literally, it, it's literally exactly what Batman learned. He just had to go from place to place to do it. But now it's all in one spot. Dude, you could by fight a crazy dude. guy who was going to teach me how to murder people. You, you can go to fucking Eagle Talon Kung Fu in Tarzana, California <laughs> and get the same karate education Batman got in the seventies by going to fucking all these different places, learning Salat and shit. Yeah. You're right, yeah. dude. That's crazy. Well, Ed, God, you just, I think you just, you made my brain melt a little bit because. I would say, you know, you said whatever sort of times we're living in. If you think about it, we are living in times of uncertainty. We are living in overwhelming times. We are mm-hmm. living in times where we're living in times of anxiety. Like mm-hmm. you just don't know what the future is bringing. And I think in a lot of ways, Batman's hyper competence, that competency porn feels a little out of step with what we're going through. A little, like, a little bit, dude. And you start to see yeah. when people say, when people get on the internet and argue Batman versus other characters, they sound out of touch. People argue right. Batman could be anything because they're sticking with this mythic unknowable or they're buying into this technocrat shit. Whereas Spider-Man, just his skill set alone and his mindset alone yeah. allow him to be somebody that you could, for these modern times, imprint on as a person who could kind of resolve anything as long as he could grit it out and gut it out that's the thing it's that philosophical thing of like we just live in a time where well if you just put your mind to it and apply yourself and try hard enough you can conquer anything feels false right like Mm -hmm. that's just not the time we're living in on the flip side that idea of you are gonna be overwhelmed and outmatched and not up to snuff but grit it, grit your teeth, put your head down, get through it, keep going no matter what. That rings true. Mm-hmm. And that is Spider-Man. Yeah. And yeah. on top of that, on top of that, he like this last movie, he wanted to save the bad guy's lives. He yeah. wanted to save the bad guy's lives. And well, wait, time- you, are you saying oh, wait, are you saying he didn't say I don't have to save you and open his wings to fly away. Is yeah, that yeah. what you're saying? That is what I'm saying. And on top of that, he doesn't break people's arms. He doesn't like, you know, like there isn't this graphic destruction of human beings that, that Spider-Man does. I don't know. There's just, 
There's a compassion. There is. And and look, I understand that that's not where Batman is, but I think you're right that for the times, we need more of that optimism and that kindness and that, like, sure, we got to stop the bad guys, but we don't have to, you know, destroy them and break their arms and stuff. We got to just, like, you know, figure out how to stop them. Or well, help him, maybe. Reeves, maybe Matt Reeves was onto something more than I gave him credit for with that ending where Batman sort of realizes the value of compassion. So yeah. maybe, I mean, maybe to Ed's point, maybe the Batman movies are going to go in sort of an unexpected direction and get more in line with the times. But I do think, as of right now, the Batman as we know him and as we've been talking about him, got, you know, for being the most versatile and the most long-lasting DC concept, he is not a real good fit for the times that we're living in. I'll just say it. Uh, he he can stand out amongst other people as being a, and it isn't even about all. It isn't totally about the money. It is about the 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 using your money to become hyper competent and rather and and honestly, people in real life know how much their lives are up to chance. You get bit by something and you get just enough skills to make it while the world dumps people who are more powerful on you. Because yep. of your your greatness makes a bunch of more people dump onto you. It's he's so in in a lot of ways he's more reactive even than Batman. It's like it's like a the Lord will never give you too much for you to handle. So then the Lord makes you be able to lift ten tons. So now fifteen ton guys are always trying to beat your fucking ass. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and and I just no, want to say this. So I yeah. look and this is I you know I don't know if we've mentioned this before. I think maybe Ed and I have talked about this offline at one point. But uh, there was one of those big Twitter things where they put a picture of a bunch of superheroes and they're like, you can only keep one. Who is it? And then it's got a picture of Batman, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Superman, Wolverine, you know, like a a bunch of different characters. Right. And in it, uh, it turned into a shit talking fest, as those things tend to do. Right. Of course. Uh, which is a bummer, by the way. I, 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 it, it, that always bums me out. I got to say, I, I, I do wish people would be like, oh, my favorite is this character because of this. And then people be like, yeah, cool. But that's not how that ever works. It's not, no, Batman beats up poor people and Spider, and Superman has no good stories because he's invincible. It's all of that stuff. But you want to know what I didn't see? One bad comment about Spider Man. And I mean that in 300 different comments. Not one bad comment about Spider-Man. That is bananas. Uh, everybody can find something to complain about with every character, it seems like. But very few people apparently decided that they could complain about Spider-Man. Maybe they would complain about the movies a little bit or or whatever. Because like there was the one Tom Holland is when Spider-Man is like just learning from Tony Stark. And without him, is kind of useless or whatever. Like. Yeah. To me, that's the same thing as Ed's complaints about the Dark Knight. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, or anybody's complaints about Top Gun Maverick being military <laughs> porn, or yeah. or you know, a lot of these things yeah. where it's just like, but, yeah, okay, you're right, but you're whining in my ear, so fuck off. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I just feel like there was almost no bad comments about Spider Man, and and like I love Batman, but I. There, I have problems with Batman, like yeah. different, you know, tons of problems with Batman. There's there's definitely problems with Batman. And there's not a ton, even with the Spider-Clone saga, which which we've all agreed 
is not the greatest run of comics, but is simultaneously one of the greatest run of comics. It's bananas. Hey, well, you get an uh, argument uh, for me. Well, no, and as and as yeah, we definitely will refer uh, editor's note. Refer back to uh, Bill's uh, nomination of the Spider Clone Saga as the greatest gateway drug to comics when he was a youth. But uh, okay, but this is my thing. It we have to for a second acknowledge Marvel getting away with a giant character misstep and then correcting it with this last movie in regards to Spider Man because kind of this whole point we've been talking about is Spider Man is this guy who has just enough to get by and his grit and his determination get him more. And his obvious super intelligence enables him to play with these big boys because I maintain that if he actually was Night Monkey and could just sort of jump around and not web stuff, <laughs> he'd be a pretty ineffectual, shitty superhero that would eventually fucking die somewhere. Mm-hmm. But because of his the precognition thing, which he mastered in the second movie, and because of the web shooters, he becomes a superhero. And very much above street level hero because of those two things, the mastery of his precognition and his web shooters. So when you, when other movies made him shoot webs out of his hands naturally and not be a genius, when other movies had him stealing the technology for people. And lastly, when other people had Tony Stark give him way more than that and give him a super suit that he didn't sew that does all this super web stuff and hit his web shooters while he made them themselves. He gets super good web shooters with a bunch of multifunctionality from Tony Stark. Mm. So it's like you have this, the one character who sewed his own costume, the one besides Daredevil, I guess, the one character who just, who just really down gritty made himself a superhero. And you take all of that genius and agency away from him and have him have a, a, a iron teat in his mouth for half of the fucking shit. And that sucks, man. It's like a key giant misstep. People are not insane to not grok with that, and they weren't insane to pump their fucking fist and have their man titty shake like I did when I saw the motherfucker with a bright blue and red costume at the end of that goddamn Far From Home. Yeah. Going going to f- with a sewing machine? God damn it, the sewing machine yeah. is as yeah. important as the motherfucking web shooters, motherfucker. The sewing machine is part of it. The fucking GED book is part of it. The shitty apartment is fucking part of it. It's part of it. Nobody knowing you. This is a quality no, rant, right? But you know what I'm saying? Nobody knowing you. Nobody wanting to fucking team up with you. Nobody trusting you. That's fucking part of it. And it to, 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 to take that away from him for three solid movies and get away with it. Greatest trick the devil ever pulled. Mm. And I'm glad it's over. So I just had to fucking get that out, man. We can't just gloss over that shit. If I can I not gloss over another point, you know, not that it's the same thing, but Marvel as a comic book company made a similar huge weird misstep that everybody hated with Spider-Man with the whole one more day thing. Where oh, he bargains yeah. away his marriage mm-hmm. with the devil in order to save, you know, octogenarian Aunt May. And it's like, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> and, and that was like, I, I, want, I want the next episode or Aunt May just has a heart attack the next day. Cause she's like 92. Exactly. <laughs> Like that was a misstep that they clung to and defended in, in an almost um, in an almost aggressive way for years and years and years, and it really served as a as a downturn for Spider Man in the comic books at least. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, nipples on the bat suit is definitely <laughs> up there. I don't know if it's as fundamental of like a storytelling <laughs> problem as these as these Spider Man problems. So as so 
in at in closing, Oof. what is our pronouncement? Now that we've seen all the evidence that exists up to now, right? All the evidence that exists up to now, although I did introduce a lot of uh, future evidence, and then I guess it got stricken for the record, but the, but the jury still heard it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think, me personally, I love Batman the best. And if I'm going, and I'm, I'm going to hedge, because it's my fucking right. Sure. If I'm going for classic archetype and yes would you who would you want to write a story for it's batman all day it's still batman all day given all that stuff i say given all the problematic shit because again my batman you have to do a cipher in the bathroom with a bus station and then you go out and you go to the location where the cipher goes and then i kidnap you and talk to you upside down like you're a criminal too and i go and then you do my bidding through the city and i fucking capture criminals my Batman's a psycho. I would love to do something like that. No infrastructure. You don't even get to see him go home. You don't know where he lives. You don't know if he goes home. You don't know if he takes that mask off ever. My Batman's dirty. It's a crazy person. I would love to do a story like that where it doesn't have all that bullshit. Spider-Man, it's almost a contest to see how many of his tropes you can put in there. How many yeah. of the things that are canon for him can you shove in there? How many science villains can he fight? How many times can he be overmatched by bigger superheroes and super you know what i'm saying there's all this shit it becomes this trope fest whereas batman people can make it about uh, uh the scottish hillside or or spelunking in in africa or you know they can make batman be anywhere out of space anywhere i just think all of that leans towards if i'm making it if i'm looking for who's a mythic archetype it's batman all day but i like spider-man more right now <laughs> mm. i do i, well, I just as a person <laughs> like him more right now I want to hear Ron's take, but I would uh, maybe a way to sum that up, Ed, is like they both still, after however many years, have a ton of potential. It just remains to be seen if anybody's going to actually pick up that baton and run with it with Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 And look, it's so funny that you said that, Ed, because like my inclination is Spider-Man's my favorite character, period. Like. Bar none, not even close. But that being said, all the conversation we're having, and if it's if it's Spider Man versus Batman overall, if we're talking about overall, uh, in, you know, influence on culture, uh, influence on comic book movies, influence on like we may not get the first X Men movie without Batman eighty nine, like. Mm-hmm. All this stuff, it's hard to yeah. go against Batman because of that. That being it's said, true. you know, so so like my favorite character is Spider-Man and I want to lean towards Spider-Man, but you're almost making me think that I should be going for Batman. So uh, it's, it's is, a conundrum. That's why we did it really this. Is. Because I because it's it's the same thing as in our, our Stallone and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger episode. Sometimes you got to like separate the man from the art and see who's who wins that. And then see, you know, there's all these different caveats when people are this great. And that's why I made mine that way. Just mythic nature. You can't beat Batman. Spider-Man is never going to beat Batman as a myth. But Spider-Man isn't a myth. He's a guy. And there's just something there. I Well, yeah. and that's the I'm, thing. I'm, like, I'm leaning towards Spider-Man. I'm going to go Spider-Man. See, it's interesting. I'm going to try not to be too long-winded. But I will just say, if the question is, who is the better superhero I don't know if I could even define this, but doing the things that in my mind a superhero is meant to do, and I think probably the first on that list 
is sort of reflect and address the anxieties of the day, I might be leaning towards Spider-Man. And like he doesn't have as long and powerful a tail on him as Batman. If you just look at the canon, if you look mm-hmm. at the animated series, the movies, the classic comic book stories, whatever. I think Batman wins that battle. But asking the question of who's the greatest superhero, there is a whole sort of je ne sais quoi to that. There's a corporate element to that. There's an ubiquitous uh-huh. element to that. There's a... I mean, down to the iconography, there, I forget who was the artist, but somebody once said that, like, the great thing about the Spider-Man mask is that it's interesting to look at, and it gives you no clue whatsoever who is underneath it. So in a very literal way, Spider-Man could be anybody. Anybody could imagine themselves under that mask in a way that doesn't work with Bruce Wayne's lily white stubble freckled face. You know? <laughs> So, and that's, there's something to that. And like, I don't know why I'm putting so much on it, but I think it's just because it, it grocks with my idea of like what a superhero means. Ed, your whole commentary about like the times we're living in are not really a time for the Batman that we know Uh is meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I might have to go Spider-Man. But you know what? Batman had prep time for this conversation, so he still wins. Oh, I'm sorry, boom. guys. That's oh, uh, you know, <laughs> correct. That's correct. Yeah. You know, yeah. Batman so, wins. Uh, Shut the podcast down. So, so, and if you want more uh, mic drops like that, please do subscribe to our Patreon. Patreon.com, the greatest pod. Pick a tier, get nuts, and please leave a five-star review in lieu of doing the Patreon. If you don't have the shekels for it, do the free thing. Give us a five-star review on Apple Pods. It really helps to get our message out there. So, Ronnie, I'm going to let you greatest us on out of here. Give us a good one with a proper amount of gravitas and space between the words. Do it, baby! (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode of The Greatest Pod!